your desk. Have that brought to us by Mr. David Hudson. In case a lot of you don't realize you've been here, haven't been here very long, we have a lot of people back here with a lot of young children and, and uh, they're trying not to disrupt us and just want them to realize, hey, we're talking to you too. Can you hear okay back there? Not my responsibility, but I'm sure they are. I know we have a few teachers here, but there's some I probably don't know. Uh, uh, teachers, can you hold your hand up, all the teachers? Okay, I don't know if you ever, Matthew, do you want your mule up here, or I can leave it here? It's not yours? Can I put it underneath who's ever there? I kind of spread out. I'm pretty big. Anyway, where was it? Teachers, yeah. I don't know if you guys have Teacher's Day like this one little girl had or not, but uh, this one little one school little uh, girl came home, and anyway, uh, it was Teacher's Day at school, and, and the little elementary school kid uh, would take presents to the teachers and most of them were wrapped up. One of them, the little girl's father was uh, uh, had a, owned a candy shop. So she opened the package and it was candy. So a little boy, his uh, family uh, had a flower shop. So the teacher unwrapped her, uh, his uh, gifts and sure enough it was flowers. And last little, or not last, but one of the little boys, dad and parents owned a liquor store. So it was all, you know, packages all uh, uh, packaged up everything. And uh, it was it, it was moist. It was kind of leaking everything, you know. And teacher, you know, put a finger on it and touched it. Said, uh, bourbon? Said, no. Said, touched it, licked it again. Said, uh, what was it, brandy? The boy said, no. He said, again, said, well, what is it? He said, puppy. P-U-P-P-Y. Little puppy had leaked. Anyway, so I don't know if you guys had anything like that or not. <laughs> Has nothing whatsoever to do with my message, but anyway. But it kind of loosens me up, too. I'm, I get pretty tight sometimes, and Ian come out and put a hand on my shoulder and told me to relax, you know. And so I take that as an order. Uh, I will ask, uh, I've met a lot of people here from uh, the old Worldwide Church of God. Uh, are there any, if you don't mind, people that were a part of the old Worldwide, can you hold your hand up? Wow. Ooh. Okay, there are probably a, a few left, people that were a part of the old Radio Church of God. Wow, more than I thought. Wow. Over the years, many of us, myself and you, all of us, have heard and even maybe sometimes been guilty of saying some pretty negative things about the old worldwide church. I know I've, I've done that at times. I've been a little bit derogatory, and I, uh, you know, I, I didn't mean it in a bad way, but anyway, I have been. And, but today, I want to go on record by saying I believe many, many very good things came out of the world, the old Worldwide Church of God. And many good things came out of the Worldwide Church of God. And the Radio Church of God is what started that. And, you know, a lot of us are who we are now because of the early training that we had. And I know some of the members that 
in the Tulsa church that were there long before I was, uh, they were a little harder on them but at that time. They expected more out of the people, and they were smarter. They had more biblical knowledge and knew how to use it a lot. And some of them are right here in our room right now. But anyway, some very good things came out of that. And I was talking to an individual the other night uh, about this, and uh, uh, he made a comment, and, and I really appreciate it. Uh, he, and some of you may even guess who it is, but I won't give his name. But uh, he even worked at Big Sandy at one time uh, for a number of years, you know, about six or seven years, worked for them in the custodial type work, and he was in a lot of the houses, you know, with some of the high officials and things of that nature. He said, you know, they were just human, just like us. The leaders of the church were human beings. They, were, they had their good qualities. They had their gifts of God. Some had the gift of writing. Some had the gift of, of uh, speaking. Some had the gift of organization and, and uh, uh, things of that nature. But they were human. And we saw the human side of that, of that, you know, so many of us. And that's what a lot of us have a tendency, or had a tendency, I guess. And I don't see so much of it anymore. Uh, but anyway, those, those things did happen. But they are human. They were, and those of us that were a part of the old worldwide, you know, back then we, we were trying. They were trying to teach us, and we were trying to become perfect. That was our goal. And we're still trying to do that. How many of you are perfect yet? No. <laughs> Jesus knew that there wasn't anybody perfect. We know no one's perfect, and we haven't made it yet. But I'm going to mention just a few positive things that the church taught us, and, and there's a f and some negatives that I probably won't go into that much. I won't have much time to do that, uh, which you don't want me to say that anyway. But, uh, you know, the church taught us that uh, to prove all things. You know, one of the first things they said, you, if you ever listen to the radio broadcast, uh, Herbert Armstrong in the early days, and then Garner Ted later on, and they all said, don't believe me, believe your own Bible. You know, blow the dust off of it. And I made some good Baptist, you know, mad. And I was a Baptist, you know, I wasn't a practicing one in the latter years, but I was a Baptist. And I learned about Jesus, you know, at age five years old at uh, uh, it wasn't a Baptist church, a church of God in, in Olson, Oklahoma, down in the basement as a little bitty kid. And Miss Giddens used to walk my brother and I to, to church, you know, when I was five years old. My brother was seven. So I learned what Jesus was. So there's some good things even about, you know, the other church and many good things about the other churches. They just don't have their, mind, their eyes opened up as we think right now. But anyway, but they told us to prove all things. And, uh, and I'll have the scripture there. Uh, in First uh, Thessalonians 5.21, and most of you can uh, paraphrase that or, or go right to it, and it's just real short. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. You know, when we prove the scriptures, we prove our doctrines, we prove where, what we're supposed to be doing, what we're not supposed to do, we hold on to that. Prove all things. Another scripture, First Thessalonians 5.14 through 22. Now I exhort you, Paul speaking, I exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. And they taught that, and we still teach that. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, 
but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. And here's another thing they really preached on too. Rejoice evermore. How many sermons have we heard about joy? How many songs have we heard at the Feast of Tabernacles over the years? Rejoice. So many scriptures that we can go to. David rejoiced so much. Pray without ceasing. And we, we know, a lot of the old timers know how they really encouraged praying. I don't think they used it as a, a, a yardstick. You know, some people said, well, we had a lot of yardstick religion. They knew how long to wear a hair and how long the skirt's supposed to be. I didn't wear a skirt, but my wife did. Sometimes people think I was. Well, you know, she wears a pants. Not really. They don't say that. She's, my wife is very submissive. And she lets me be the boss, too, and I appreciate that. <laughs> but, but anyway, but a lot of times when, when people would have counseling, you know, the ministers would come out because of problems or something or other, uh, one of the first things they'd say, well, uh, how's the prayer life? You know, how, how much do you pray? How much do you study? And sometimes, you know, that's a good indicator, you know. If we're not really prayed up, it's, we're a lot easier to get offended, a lot easier to get upset, a lot easier to accuse somebody of something that, you know, impute motives. So, you know, prayer is very important. And uh, one of the things they taught, and, and uh, so, some thought it was a little uh, exorbitant, you know, they wanted us to pray three times a day. You know, and they said David prayed three times a day. Daniel prayed, you know. Daniel even had his windows open and in spite of the, the laws against praying against other gods. And Daniel continued to do it. And... Uh, and I, and I had a time period, I don't mean to be self-righteous about it, but I had an uh, opportunity. I mean, I was working at a company years ago back before I got uh, self-employed myself in the company. Uh, in a lunch break, uh, I was able, and I was trying to practice this stuff, you know, uh, practice three times a day. And, when, and during lunch break, I would go back to the back part of the shop, and they had a bunch of boxes and stuff of tubes and everything back there, and just... Just enough room between the box of the tubes and the wall that you could get in there. And I had a big piece of cardboard that came in between some of the aluminum stuff. And I'd get in there, and, you know, and I'd have some prayer. Well, you know, that was some of the best times I had, some of the uh, trials I was going through and some of the best growth. Uh, I, I'm shameful to say I don't just sit around and pray three times a day like I did. But there are times in my life, and I know a lot of you out here, especially the old-timers, you took that serious, the... the uh, uh, hint or the instruction from the minister, it was almost law. You know, we took that as, as God is backing that up. And I know uh, it helped me personally. I've, I had a job uh, working a lot of hours at the same company, you know. Our minimum was uh, 12, 14 hours a day. And uh, anyway, um, um, I forgot what I was doing. I got off track. <laughs> Anyway, but uh, uh, they encourage that. Pray without ceasing. And everything, verse 18, everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. You know, giving thanks, it's awfully hard. And I think one of the scriptures I've used will be talking about that. Giving thanks when you're in the middle of a problem. I've mentioned this a few times in Tulsa. And it's really hard sometimes to, to say, God, I really thank you for this horrible trial I'm in. It's really hard to do that. But, you know, uh, the Scripture tells us, you know, to even thank God in the middle of our trials. 
and one of the verses there says, and I came, quench not the spirit. The church also taught that there was nothing permanent about a spirit in the, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit in, in a human body. There's nothing permanent about that. Like Ken said a while ago, once saved, always saved. We can, the scripture shows that we can, I'm not saying this to get you worried, but we can quelch, squelch and quench the spirit. And to me, it, instead of just quenching it, it, it it's kind of like the squelch on a, the old CB radio. Remember back in the 70s when you had the old CB radios and, and all of the, everything would be blasting out in your ears and you could reach up here and turn this squelch button and you couldn't hear all these faraway stations, but you could hear the ones that were right, you know, in the automobiles especially, you could hear that. Well, I think sometimes the, our actions and what we do and what we don't do, uh, we can squelch that Holy Spirit, keep it from coming in, and this is just my own theory, and uh, and maybe even eventually quench it. So we have to be careful. The church taught us to do that. Uh, we were taught, okay, I'm getting ahead of my notes. Second Timothy 2, verse 15. Study to show yourself approved unto God. And we mentioned study a while ago, or approved anyway. Study to show yourself approved to God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the truth. And, and the old worldwide taught us, for the most part, how to get through some of these scriptures that, you know, so many churches in the world are teaching that are not true. They, they taught the truth about heaven and hell, about salvation, about the Holy Spirit, about healing, about the holy days, about the Sabbath, and, and on and on and on. They taught us that, and then we, we were to prove that. And most of, and a lot of us even proved it before we ever started the church. We weren't going to give up our lifestyle, our jobs, everything else, not, not believing that it's true. We didn't take, uh, most of us anyway, didn't take the, the headquarters, the big radio personalities. We didn't take their word for it, even though we were mesmerized by their knowledge, their understanding, their ability to quote scripture, but we didn't take their word for it because the risk was too, too valuable. Oh, anyway, the, uh, I got ahead of myself all ago. I said we need to pray regularly, and, and that's very good. Uh, they even include, encourage the church to fast often. You know, the church really, in, in, uh, in fact, they, they said, they didn't make it a rule, but, th you know, they said, well, you know, don't fast on the Day of Atonement only. You know, most people really ought to try to fast once a month. Well, that's quite a bit. I never did get quite to that, but, you know, back when I think most people that, have done those things, felt that their life was better. Life worked better for them when they uh, were fasting more often. And we should meditate, which means to think deeply about God's Word. Think deeply about how life is affecting us, how our actions are affecting others, how our actions affect God. We need to think about it. We don't just go through the motions. We think about it. And we think about what the possibilities are, what the options are, and what, what happens, and look and see what we can even see right now, if, uh, what the possibilities would be if everyone would keep God's Ten Commandments. You know, if everybody would just, just keep, uh, and I, I think I may have mentioned this one time, and 
in a message that uh, we were out at one of my daughter's house years ago out in California, and they were having a, uh, a party, I think. It was the 40th anniversary of my son-in-law or something. I don't know, but a lot of people in the house and, and a lot of talking going on and everything. And, and uh, I was sitting there at a uh, little bench then and, and just listening, you know, and, and uh, not eavesdropping. But I, and they said, well, what do you think about it, David? You know? And I was kind of shocked, and I just pulled out, and I didn't, you know, didn't have an answer prepared, and I just pulled out my keys and said, if everybody in the world would not steal and keep the Ten Commandments, I said, we wouldn't have to carry these around, you know. And how many things do we have to have because people steal? Even on your computers, you've got, you got uh, code numbers on it that you can't get in and, or somebody else can't get in. But, you know, we were encouraged to, to think about what life would be if, if, if we would change and do different things. Verse 4. Uh, okay, yeah, verse 4 of Second uh, Timothy 15. I probably ought to use my pencil and mark off some of these things to keep me from being redundant or repeating myself or saying the same thing twice. Uh, Philippians 4, verse 4 through 9, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your requests be known. You know, it, uh, it's a good thing if when we're really down we need to have something and need God to intervene, you know, stop thinking, say, well, thank you, God, for all the blessings you've given me, you know. Uh, uh, it seemed like uh, uh, Paul was aware of that, you know. Give thanksgiving even among the, the needs and things that you ask for. If we're asking for healing, well, thank God that I live this long or whatever. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, and here's the deal, uh, a verse in here that a lot of emphasis put on, and I like reading that even personally to myself. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, and this will help us so much, people that are, are having depression, having you know, anxiety, and having a lot of problems, I'm not saying this is going to take care, take the place of uh, anxiety pills. If you need that, you know, there's some things that people do need, you know, from a physical standpoint. But there are a lot of things that we can do from a mental and emotional standpoint. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure. And surely there's something pure about the person that we don't like, <laughs> you know, or landlord. Well, I don't have a landlord, but, uh, you know, somebody that we really have repulsive feelings to. Surely there's things that, that, w that we can find that, that is good about them. Even Will Rogers, uh, one of our famous Okies, said, you know, he never met a man that he didn't like. And I said, well, he didn't meet old so-and-so he wouldn't like him, but anyway. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, you know, instead of just sitting around and woe is me, woe is the world, and we don't stick our head in the sand, we don't, uh, we, we realize that the world is bad, you know, things are happening, we are going to have to be strong, we do, we've had a lot of warnings lately at home and here at the Faith too, that we do need to be vigilant, we need to 
be close to God. We need to pray. We need to be aware of, of where the, our uh, world and our government is going and that you know we're going to someday be uh, tremendously persecuted and maybe even slaughtered. Uh, but, but in the meantime, let's, let's, let's at least think some positive things and try to offset that and, and see how good it is. You know, and we've, we've got the wonderful Feast of Tabernacles that we, that we uh, have fabulous messages and fabulous uh, uh, analogies. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So Paul was saying, you know, I've done a lot of these things. People know about it. There have been letters written to them about it. One of the big things that we learned in Worldwide Church of God was building character. Anybody remember that word, building character? How many times have we said, you know, you've got to get out of your comfort zone. You've got to do some of these things. You know, you've got to build character. That's the only thing you're going to take when you leave this world. You know, we're not going to take our money. We're not going to take our, our, our possessions, our land, our cattle, our gold. We're not going to take that. All we're going to take when we leave this world is our character. And that was really, uh, uh, really uh, uh, taught us a great deal. And a lot of messages, a lot of sermons on doing things to develop character, even, uh, you know, things that you don't like to do. Do things for people that you don't like. We were taught the spirit of service. And we still do. You know, we've, we've carried that over into here, but... Uh, and in the Tulsa congregation, the people that are here will will realize, and I think other congregations big enough to do that, uh, had work crews. You know, we had crews that would go out and repair uh, widows' houses for people that needed things. I know we, uh, one particular job, we even uh, uh, did some plumbing on a lady's house down around Muskogee, and a crawl space underneath wasn't very big. <laughs> But there were a couple of us, and I mean, there were a lot of people, but uh, me and one other guy had the, the, the skill that we could uh, uh, weld copper tubing together, sweat it together, you know, with that. And, and but to get up under a house and do that, you know, with a flaming torch and not very much room, and if you're claustrophobic anyway. But anyway, but the church taught that. We had all kinds of work crews. I'm sure Steve was on work crews, and Lawrence, and and, uh, and the women, you know, on work crews. We had, uh, they had a, uh, a system worked up when a woman, uh, a, a young lady would have uh, a baby, and they had a schedule for women coming in in the daytime while the husband theoretically was working and uh, uh, cleaned house and helped the wife out, you know, and, and uh, fixed the meals and all that. and. You know, that was a wonderful thing. We had one of our babies while we were in Worldwide. Uh, our next youngest daughter was born in, uh, what, 60, 70. When was Sharon born? 69. And uh, uh, the funny thing about that, <laughs> this one lady was uh, cleaning uh, uh, cleaning our house and our kids come home from school. And I think Charles, would, he wasn't in school yet, but... Anyway, we had a gas stove that uh, the pilot light didn't work on it, you know, and, uh, and you had to have a, we used a, these big matches, these kitchen matches, you know, to strike it and put it to light the burner. Well, Miss Clement, and some of you know Miss Clement, and she's still alive, 
But uh, she blew out the match and started to hand it to my son, Charles. Boy, I mean, he acted like that was a spider or something. I mean, he just, uh, but, but the reason for that was not too long before that, and Brenda, she left, but uh, uh, she and Charles and uh, my oldest daughter tried to burn the house down with these kitchen matches so they could move to the country. They didn't like living in the city. All, all those three kids, they, well, they wanted to move to the country. They had a box of these kitchen matches. They were out at the corner of the house striking them, and uh, it was uh, wood underneath that asphalt shingles on the outside, and they just didn't have any luck. And I think my wife smelt something, you know, the, we didn't have air conditioning, so the windows were down, and you could smell, I mean up, and you could smell smoke. Well, anyway, when I came home, Fran told me what it was, and, and I, was, I admit I was pretty hard. I wish Brenda was in here to hear that. But uh, each match, somebody had to pay the price for that match, that burnt match. Okay, this is yours, Debbie. Bam, one lick with the board. Brenda, this is your match, Brenda. Bam. Charles, here's your deal. Bam. And, uh, it, and I don't remember how many matches. There were quite a few of them, but they all got a lick. So when, when Miss Clement was there trying to give him a match, she was wondering, what did they do to this kid? Anyway, but they, they had that, and that helped a lot, didn't it? You know, a lot of these women here have experienced that, and some of you women have been a part of that, and it was a good thing that the church had done. And, you know, they even, uh, the, the service of uh, giving rides to people, you know, we had uh, a schedule made up. I don't know, one of these, somebody made up the schedule, but we would even go, some of us, as far as Miami, Oklahoma. And I don't know how far that is. Does anybody know how far that Miami is from Tulsa? 60, 70 miles or so? I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, every, every, just about every week somebody went and picked them up. You know, we, we had the attitude of service. I remember the Feast of Tabernacles at Big Sandy, and all of our children, all of our adult children, uh, except for one, our baby that we had after we got out, uh, Big Sandy was the highlight of their life, and, I, I, and even when Brenda and Shelley would tell you, that was a wonderful, wonderful time, and many of you older folks, people even older than me, I think, really enjoyed camping out. Now, they, there, there's some people that had that stayed in motels, too, but uh, the majority of them stayed on the campground, and, and uh, Steve Andrews mentioned the other day in Tulsa, I think, wasn't it, Steve, about being in Big Sandy and being on the... Uh, parking details. Seemed like for some reason uh, the Tulsa Church of God, their, their main, one of their responsibilities was to be on the parking detail. And that was basically for people coming in from the motels, five or 6,000 people coming in. We had 11 or 12,000, you know, on the campground. And uh, anyway, but uh, they, had, they, they had the Tulsa Church was on that. And Steve was on that his first year, wasn't he, Steve? You were first year in the feast. And uh, maybe years after that, my first year was there too. And uh, I know uh, uh, my particular job at that time was being down at the end of the long driveway. Most of you that, that are familiar with the Big Sandy Campground know this big, long driveway going from the, the Piney Woods and the Tabernacle Building all the way down to the highway and goes one way to Gladewater and then goes to Big Sandy. Well, my job was down there to keep the traffic going. I didn't know anything about it, you know. And uh, in Texas at that time, 
a lot of people drove on on the shoulder. Their their shoulders in Texas were better than our our highways. They really were. I mean, they were smoother. A lot of people would drive on that. But anyway, when they get up coast, coming from I don't know what direction it was. I, my directions were messed up all the time I was down there. I called it east, but I don't know what direction it was. But coming from Gladewater, and they'd be over on the the shoulder and it'd be backed up. And my job was to keep the traffic flowing. And also to stop the traffic coming from Gladewater, because people were coming in from Big Sandy and the Tyler area, and you know, and you don't want the hi the highway to back up, you know. So we would stop the the traffic from uh, Gladewater and motion on the people from uh, Big Sandy area, come on in, you know, get on in. Well, one one time, uh, I let a beer truck in. You know, he just happened to be in that line, and he drove up in there and. And the first guy, I don't know, Steve might have been there, but uh, the first guy, he didn't, he didn't, uh, uh, didn't know what to do with the beer truck, you know. And the beer truck guy, he, he didn't know what to do. He didn't know where to turn around. He thought they were going to hijack him or something. But anyway, so um, that, but but a fond memory, you know, fond memory, and uh, we learn responsibility. Uh, but there were thousands of people, and, and you'll attest to that, would see thousands of people coming down out of the campground, out of the Piney Woods, down the main artillery, down to the main campsite, and in the nighttime there. And the way they were organized, you know, you really, really felt. I mean, I don't know how many years we were there, but you really felt like you're the camp of Israel. We had the captain system, just like in the Bible. There was a gentleman here the other day. Was that you, one of you I was talking to? His dad was the captain of a thousand. Am I looking at anybody that says that? If you are, hold your hand up. Anyway, I guess he's not. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, right there. His dad was the captain of a thousand. And uh, the only thing I got, uh, I wasn't smart enough to do anything else. I was captain of ten for a few years. One time I had to substitute for uh, Jack Britton. He was uh, captain of fifty, and I got there before him. And I thought, ooh, well, he's got a tough job. But uh, it was so wonderfully laid out, you know, the, the, the captains of 50 would come down, and I don't know what the rest of them did, but the captains of 50 would, would meet the captains of 10 early in the morning and give us the information update. And what that meant, the captains of 10, that was captain of 10 camp spaces. You know, if you had a tent and a trailer, that was still a camp space. Uh, if you just had one, one thing, that was a camp space, you know. And we would, you know, very well organized, very well organized. And uh, uh, I know I had one time up to the captain, uh, one of the captains, a thousand, I think Mr. Clement, you may have known Mr. Clement, I'm not sure. But anyway, I thought, oh, well, this is big stuff. This is serious stuff here. But to walk around, my wife made the comment, you know, uh, we had uh, five kids at the feast. and. Uh, we'd get the kids down at night, and my wife would walk down to the bathhouse, you know, at nighttime by herself to take a shower. She didn't worry about, uh, what did I do, run everybody off? Oh, there we are. Anyway, anyway, uh, she didn't worry about somebody mugging her, didn't worry about somebody raping her or anything. And we could, uh, you know, and she could walk by or I could walk by and, and just hear people talking real lowly out in their front yard under the little canopy type thing or something, and maybe some of them playing a guitar real lightly and, and uh, you know, singing some songs. It was such a wonderful time. And you talk about feeling secure. We had security, and I was able, I think maybe the last year or so, I went to Big Sandy, 
was on uh, part of the security detail. I think they had to get up about 2 o'clock in the morning, me and another person, and, of course, they had some other people doing it too. Uh, I don't remember how many people, but we would, we w had certain areas that we walked. You know, we walked down the street and back and forth, you know, and, and try to keep a different routine too each time so people didn't figure out. I mean, we had uh, security going around the perimeter, and uh, we never had any problems, at least that I was aware of. But, you know, it, it really felt like what the kingdom of God could be like or, or at least what uh, the children of Israel felt like, you know, in, in, in the wilderness. It was just such a peaceful thing, I think. And, and for me personally, that's some of my fondest, fondest memories. I would not trade that for anything. I would not trade that. And uh, anyway... Uh, Oh, and then on the last great day, and, and uh, I was on parking. Uh, my first year there, I was on, still on parking. They, they still let me be on the gate, even though I left the beer truck in. And on the last great day, you know, we always sang at that time the song, Till We Meet Again. And I almost crack up, I mean break up, every time I think about it, you know. And, and, and I promised myself and asked God, don't let me break up, you know, just talking about this. Uh, you know, at the, at the end of the speech, you know, and, and even here we can be so high, you know, if our attitude is right, you know. And even during the song service uh, earlier, the first part, you know, I, I said, David, you got to get a hold of yourself. You know, you got to mess with it together. You know, I, the song, Matthew, and you guys and all you people up there really cuts me deeply, really cuts me deeply. And uh, it's not just because I'm doing a message today, it's just, you know, the atmosphere that we're living in here, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit that's here within you, the Holy Spirit that's in me, we have an agreement, you know, and we're, we're developing a bond. And anyway, I had a bottle of water somewhere. <coughs> I'll be through here in a minute. But anyway, it, the last great day, and I think most of you can identify with that, that, you know, you hear that song, Till We Meet Again, and, and the announcement would be, you know, well, there's some of you that may not be here next year, that may not make it, you know. Some of you are going to have accidents. Some of you are going to die of sickness or something. Some of you may not be here. Well, that in mind, you know, I had to hightail it way down to the, uh, west gate, north gate, whichever way that was down there where the highway was and, and to safely direct traffic out, I couldn't even look the people in the eye. You know, I couldn't even look at the cars because I knew some of them will not be here next year. You know, I knew that. And it, you know, it, even today, it's been like close to 50 years, 51 years, I guess, since then. And it still affects me today. A memory, and I don't mean you know in a sad way. It just it's just a memory that that I will never forget. I want to read one scripture in in conclusion. Oh, let me say let me say something. I got here. Uh, just like I mentioned earlier, we've heard many times, or heard sometime, maybe not many, many negatives about the old worldwide Church of God. It was the Church of God at that time with frail human beings. You know, it was led and guided by real, frail human beings. 
they were making good and bad decisions, some things that weren't so good and some things that were extremely well. I appreciate the time that I was a part of that. I really do. I mentioned that a while ago. I appreciate the time that I had in the old worldwide church of God to see it the way it has gone over the years and that it no longer observes the, the, the Sabbath. You know, that, that's sad to me. That's not the church of God that we knew, you know. And they, you know, they embraced Sunday. They divorced all the precious doctrines that we have. You know, I, I really hate that part. But we know it's just almost like a person dying, you know. And we know, but, but many of the people have moved on and move into groups like this. And I talked with a gentleman earlier. It's been to, what, four or five feasts already this year, you know, of, of the different churches of God. You know, and that's okay. We, we can do that. But, you know, we still have the old uh, the um, heart, and we have the, the, the character that we're trying to build, and we're adding to that character every year. Here's my last scripture. Malachi 3, verse 16 through 18. Then they that feared the eternal spoke often one to another, and we do. We speak often. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. God, God listens to our conversation. You know, he's walking about. He knows what we're doing. And a book of remembrance was written before him uh, was written before him for them that feared the eternal. A book of remembrance. And I like to look at it, and maybe I'm totally wrong, but to me it's like taking an old photo album, you know, a book of remembrance. We can sit back and, and we've got a fo some photo albums on our church inside our sanctuary. You can look in there and see uh, Mr. Gregory when he had bright red hair and a whole lot of it. And Lucille Smith had uh, coal black hair, you know. And uh, some of the others, you know, and, and uh, uh, Rick and I were real young at that time. But uh, a book of remembrance, you know. To me, that's what it means. It, I don't know what it means in reality, but uh, it looks like a photo, uh, uh, photo journal, you know. And, uh, of course, now it's probably on one of these things. And I've got this up here because I've got a stopwatch on it. I've got a calendar. And anyway, that uh, a book of remembrance that was written before them that feared eternal and thought upon his name. And we do think of his name. We thought about him then. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. And I hope I'm part of that jewels. I hope you are too, every single one of you, even if I don't see you next year or any time after that. I hope, hope to see you, and I will spare them. I will spare them as a man spares his own son and serves him. Then shall they return and dis dis shall they return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serves God and, and him that serves him not. God be with all of you and have a good feast.